When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. The Federal Milk Marketing Order has been around for more than 90 years, so Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative and the Dairy Business Association are advocating for reform. They're starting with their Class 3 Plus proposal. Edge advisor Marin Bozik is a University of Minnesota Ag Economics professor. He foresees struggles for the upper Midwest if we continue with the same Federal Milk Marketing Order. We can travel back in time almost 100 years when dairy producers and bottlers would not agree on a price of milk. Dairy producers would go on a strike. The cities would be left without milk for days and weeks. And um, the system was designed back then to make sure that the price of milk is fair for everybody in the supply chain, the dairy producers, the bottlers, the retailers and consumers. What we find ourselves, the, posi- the moment we, are, we find ourselves now in is that fluid milk sales are down and our dairy exports are growing and we are actively thinking how to reorganize milk pricing so that 10 years from now everybody can still be successful, that the consumer can have their milk at a reasonable price, that the dairy producer can thrive as well and that in addition to domestic consumers here in the United States, they can provide nutritious uh, milk and dairy products for consumers overseas in China, in Japan, South Korea, Southeast Asia, uh, all around the world. Ten years from now, you predict producer price differentials, on, which is a line on uh, farmer's milk checks, will be down so low they won't even want to participate. So currently, the, the, the system for milk pricing called the Federal Milk Marketing Orders uh, provide help for dairy producers in form of uh, added uh, revenue to their milk check above and beyond what the value of milk is when that milk is used in cheese making or butter making or, or uh, milk powders. And the way that's typically represented on the milk check is through the, the, a line item that the, with a formal name of producer price differential. As fluid milk sales dwindle and as production of cheese and butter and other commodities rise over time, that line is getting that line item on the milk check is getting smaller and smaller. So what we discussed today is how do we reorganize the milk pricing system so that uh, we can maintain a fair and balanced relationship between milk buyers and milk sellers, dairy producers and their processors, at the same time serving U.S. consumers with with wholesome milk and also incentivizing our processors to pursue new markets overseas because, Stephanie, we will have to export anywhere between 40 and 55 percent of all additional skim solids that we will add to the market over the next 10 years to improve genetics or, or more dairy cows. Uh, domestic market is not growing very much. It's quite saturated. Uh, and the and our cows are still getting better year after year. We, we are better managers of livestock and uh, we need new markets for, for that additional milk. That, that market will be found overseas and in order to do that in the most advantageous way for everyone, we may want to contemplate some milk pricing reforms. Yeah, and I mean, let's talk about those different export opportunities. Right now, um, powdered milk accounts for a half of solids leaving the U.S., which you say is an issue. 
what we when we compare trade statistics in United States from what our competitors overseas in New Zealand and Europe are doing, we find that New Zealand and Europe are focused more on value-added products in infant formula, whole milk powder, specialty cheeses, etc. Whereas, as you said, Stephanie, in the United States, almost half of all the dairy products, actually over half of all dairy products that leave the country in, ter in terms of volume are just cheap stuff. You know, the non-fat dry milk powder and, and some uh, some whey protein whey powders. Um, what we need to do is better position U.S. dairy system so that we can export more cheese and we can export cheeses that are more than just commodity cheeses, some some value added cheeses as well. And that's where Wisconsin can play a role. Yeah, and then let's remind people too why fluid milk uh, demand is going down. There's so many more options on the market than there were, you know, many decades ago. There are multiple reasons. One of them is what you just uh, indicated, that back in the 70s, you really had just four choices on what you're going to drink if it's not water. Uh, you could go with coffee, you could go with uh, soda, or you can go with an orange juice that you had to mix in the water, those little cans. And if you didn't like any of those three, that was milk for you. So you drank milk with breakfast, lunch, and, and dinner. Uh, well, these days, there are dozens and dozens of choices from maple water to the various mushroom drinks to, to all kinds of value-added coffee uh, ready to drink um, products so some milk is getting lost uh, and and also we used to consume a lot of milk with breakfast now we don't need breakfast anymore the way we did before cereal consumption is 20% down overall as the US consumer habits change the dairy industry and the milk pricing has to follow suit in order to maintain a fair and balanced pricing between milk buyer and a dairy producer yeah, and I mean, in your research at University of Minnesota and, and between your colleagues and yourself, you find that adjusting the federal milk marketing order would be better than totally like getting rid of it. Well, the the uh, complete dissolution of the federal orders would do little to increase overall sales of fluid milk. Um, so, if we are thinking about how, what we can do if we if we didn't have the system in place that we already have perhaps we would design it differently from scratch but we are not starting from a clean slate we are starting with a system around which plants have been built producers have located their dairies where they did because of the system and it would be uh, reckless to just assume that 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 all of that can just go away overnight without having some serious collateral damage what we can do instead is we can use what's good about the current system to build a new and better system that is more focused on exports, that is more focused on offering dairy processors flexibility they need to pursue new markets. Another thing I want to touch on, you challenged us to think about dairy pricing as similar to how we price corn. So milk is a different commodity than corn. If you don't like the price of corn today, you don't have to take a load of corn to a local elevator. You can store corn until prices improve. With milk, you don't have that privilege. If you don't ship milk on time, it's, you're going to get kefir, and then they won't take it as such. Um, so, uh, so what that has traditionally been an argument in favor of heavy regulation of milk pricing. But my point was that we can take the simplicity and understandability of corn prices, which means that we have a commodity exchange that sets the base price for five contracts a year, and then you have a local basis that every elevator offers to you up to a year or more out, so you can lock in the basis and you can lock in the base price on Chicago. There is no reason why we couldn't have milk pricing as simple as that, that you know what your base is, 
and and what's driving that base and you can use government subsidized crop insurance programs such as dairy revenue protection to cover the base and then your processor just offers a basis contract on top of that so you can so as a dairy producer you can fully stabilize your milk price over the next year year and a half as a dairy processor you have uh, quite a lot of flexibility to set the basis in such way that it um, allows you to pursue new and unconventional markets uh, rather than being forced into, uh, not forced, I should say, rather than being incentivized to produce low-value-added commodity products as the current system does. Yeah. And we'll cap things off, Mar, in talking about that Class 3-plus proposal from Edge Dairy Cooperative. Uh, you did a good job summing it into three quick points. <laughs> Can you do that again for us? So the um, Edge Dairy Cooperative, where I serve as a contract economist, uh, a few months ago proposed a a very particular technical proposal on how we can make the first step towards reforming milk pricing. Um, that proposal calls for abolishing of what in the dairy industry we call advanced pricing. Um, it calls for tying class one to a class three price, so tying the beverage milk price to the price of cheese, simple, in a simple words, and then uh, making regular orderly updates to that formula every year to ensure that the class one price is still on average the high, highest value class. Um, that, that system, in, in, in the opinion of the uh, good people at the Edge Board of Directors, would allow dairy producers more effective risk management while at the same time providing for ability of uh, bottlers to, to provide prices to retailers before the month starts using the regular risk management instruments of Chicago Mercantile Exchange. And it would really not uh, hurt dairy consumers because the price of milk at the retail store uh, would would not change in any noticeable way. So they everybody gets a better world. Dairy, dairy consumers, milk consumers get milk at a reasonable, affordable prices. Um, uh, the uh, milk bottlers and retailers have more flexibility to to lock in the price of their input, the milk bottled milk as an input, before the start of the month, and dairy producers get more effective risk management system. Yeah, you said it's a win-win situation. Is there anyone though on the losing end of, of this? Maybe even in other states. Uh, there are some producers in the southeast and the northeast who would perceive this to be a loss to them, but I think that if if we talk more about the proposal and explain how we designed it, I think we can, uh, I hope that we can convince them that this is in everybody's best interest, not just in the best interest of producers in Wisconsin or Minnesota. With the proposal is certainly not designed to favor one region over another. Um, we, we, we created this proposal around the assumption that um, uh, the, you know, the, the, the how, how do we make it most hedgeable while at the same time maximize the probability that the class one in any single month would be the highest value uh, uh, price. That's the word from Edge contract economist and University of Minnesota professor Marin Bozik. The class three plus proposal from dairy organizations in and outside of Wisconsin was released earlier this year. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.